Welcome back to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about pre-recorded movies. Today, we're going to be talking about two of them. More, more just one. We're talking about The Meg and The Meg 2, The Trench. Um, these are movies about big sharks. We are not careful with spoilers because, uh, you know, the coolest stuff that happens in this movie is, I guess, probably a spoiler, but also, like... The advertising campaign for this movie heavily used a scene that doesn't even happen until, like, the last 20 minutes of the movie. Um, what you need to know about this movie is that in it, Jason Statham fights a shark. And honestly, I think that that's probably the extent of what you need to know. Anything that we could possibly spoil for you at this point is not going to ruin your enjoyment of the movie. If that already sounded cool to you, Go and watch it. That's actually, that, that's probably the best endorsement you're going to get. Um, we do actually rate it. We do, you know, talk about a bunch of stuff. But anyway, this is a, this is a fun one. Uh, we get sidetracked quite a bit near the end and actually talk about The Fast and the Furious for a bit. Uh, I don't, there are minor, minor, minor spoilers for the latest Fast and the Furious, by which I mean I talk about the end credit scene. So if you have not seen Fast X... Uh, and you don't want the end credits scene spoiled for you, that may be of concern. Uh, otherwise, you know, we're not super careful with spoilers on the Meg 2, the Trench, or the Meg. So keep that in mind. And uh, now you're going to hear Paige Kennedy, one of the stars of the Meg 2, and also one of the stars of the Meg 2's soundtrack. another episode of classic movies live uh hey pierre how you feel about sharks uh i feel fine about them i would never go into a body of water that potentially has a shark in it though um have you ever been to the ocean because like i do feel like anytime you go into the ocean there's a potential of sharks i don't think they're a serious danger most of the time but well, actually, I haven't really been in the yeah. I haven't been in the ocean in like a long time. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Oh, fair. Not because yeah. of sharks. I just don't like. I hate. I don't like water. Like in general, I I don't mind like taking a shower, obviously, but like, I think any or even rain. I don't mind rain, but just being in a body of water, I just really don't like. And uh, the movie we watched this week did not help that, that feeling, I guess, because <laughs> it involves a lot of people dying from. From the ocean, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, like, and damn, we're straight into it. You want to you want to tell us a little bit about what movie we, oh, yeah, we want to talk gonna... about today? Well, we're talking about Meg <laughs> Two: The Trench, which came out on August fourth. So it's a little late, but we can't rush greatness. 
And but it's also like kind of wild. This came out <laughs> as of time of recording this weekend on video on demand, which is mm-hmm. less than a month, which is like crazy to me. Yeah, it's. I, I think that was faster than the Flash. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I, I think. I think. Well, like it, it's on video on demand, but it's. I, I guess they are. There must be some kind of. Uh thing where studios believe that audiences they they will make more money putting it on vod despite the fact that there's going to be more pirated like good pirated copies out there if that makes sense i guess like part of the philosophy of it is like it's an alternate revenue stream because a lot of the people it's, it's still in theaters so people are still going to theaters to see it potentially i don't know uh, I yeah. don't want to say that on like a movie to movie basis. And then like now that it's on VOD, people that otherwise weren't going to go to the theaters can watch it at home. And like, I guess the thinking is just that the people who weren't going to watch it in theaters and aren't going to buy it on VOD, but are going to pirate it is just like a small enough number that they don't care. Yeah, exactly. I I, I believe that's like the thinking they're going with that. Um, like the same thing happened with Mario where we see, we saw like Mario is one of the biggest movies of the year and it still went straight. It went, it went to VODs, I think like exactly a month later. Was and it exactly a month? Yeah, it was, it was, it was very soon. I bo- oh, okay. Maybe five weeks or something. But the thing is that, yeah, that's, if, if they were doing it for Mario, then I don't see why the Meg 2 <laughs> would be above above doing that because it's still like like i i watched it on vod i had to pay i had to pay 25 bucks to watch it so that's two that's two movie tickets right there and also they don't have to the i'm guessing the rental fee for like the the fee google gets for the rental is probably a lot less than the fee the theaters take for viewing in theaters so it's way more profitable on each purchase and they're getting those people that don't want to go to theaters um and they're still 20 bucks is, is still pretty good. So, <clears throat> Also, I don't know if those numbers are ever reported. I know it's different from no. Netflix, like not reporting their numbers, but I still don't think that, like, I think that, you know, there's the whole Trolls 2 debacle way back when. And like, I think when that happened, um, like Universal posted their numbers that they got from that and like posted their profits from that because it was convenient for them. They didn't actually yeah. have to do that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean that's it's kind of the same way with the the streaming world too. It's just it's really some of those numbers. Sometimes I think the theater the studios might like it more if those numbers aren't publicly reported. Just I don't know if that's for Hollywood accounting reasons and tax reasons or whatnot. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. But anyway, but yeah, and then also I think a lot of this money is this is a Chinese production for the most part, so they probably don't have to deal with as many American tax laws <laughs> as you would think. So there's probably that too. It, it premiered in June at the Shanghai International Film Festival. I don't know when it came to theaters in China, but it was, it feels like it's probably before August 4th, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that <laughs> preparing it, I mean, I don't know what kind of movies they have at that movie festival, but it seems like a bold, a bold statement to put the Meg to. Well, to be fair, they put Indiana Jones in con in in con so it's yeah uh, it's like did it premiere in competition or out of competition is yeah enough, is, is a big thing too yeah 
And it's not like they're really trying to impress that crowd anyway, so not a huge deal. What was Meg 2 about, Jeff? So the Meg 2 is, it's a continuation of the Meg. And just to like sort of bring everybody back to speed, the Meg is about like some divers go missing. Uh, they, they discover that what they discover is that the bottom of the ocean, like the seafloor, isn't actually solid. It's just like really, really dense dust or something. So they can just like, if they go fast enough, they can just go through it and open up like a little vent into a prehistoric world underneath the bottom of the seafloor. And when they do that, they get stuck. Uh, So Jason Statham has to go help them out. So he brings them back up. But when he brings them back up, the seafloor is open for long enough that at least two prehistoric sharks come out and like start start messing things up like prehistoric sharks by which i mean megalodons huge freaking sharks and then jason statham and his crew have to kill big sharks as they terrorize a beach because that's what big sharks do in movies Um, and at the very end of the meg they kill two megs and there's at least one more and then in the meg 2 we start about four years later and they just have a Meg in captivity now, but there's also Megs on the loose and they have to investigate something else that's at the bottom of Mariana's Trench where an evil marine biologist traps Jason Statham with the intention of killing him so that I guess the Megs can roam free or something. It's very unclear what the villains in this movie actually want. I, I, it, it feels like I lost the plot here. And I did, yeah. but also yeah. I have no idea what the point of the villain's plot in this movie is. Don't um, worry, I had a, I had a very similar experience. I, I feel like I can't tell if it's because I was losing focus or I literally, I, I legitimately feel like sometimes they skipped like very important pieces of dialogue and just moved into the next scene without explaining it. But um, I will say that this movie ends with some giant sharks terrorizing a beach, which is what giant sharks do in these movies. So, like, oh yeah. we do eventually get there. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I was rooting for this movie just because I think it looks so stupid. But this was actually, like, a, a relatively fun experience. I think what, what the Meg 2 sells, you mostly get for the most part. I um, think that... Um, you know, I I usually try to avoid saying that any movie is the wrong length because I feel like a lot of movies, you know, justify their lengths in different ways. And also, in, in my opinion, art doesn't have to justify itself, least of all its length, usually. But I think this movie was poorly paced. Like, oh, I, definitely, yeah. <laughs> this, this movie is two hours long. The last half hour is awesome. The first 10 minutes are awesome. And like... The half hour after that first 10 minutes is like fine if it was going straight into action afterwards, but it yeah. kind of meanders a bit. And this movie is altogether almost two hours long, uh, a little less because there's like six hour, six minutes of credits. Yeah, I but like I, I think there were problems. I it, it, it felt like the movie was. There, there's a lot of different stages to this movie, surprisingly. Like, like you'd mm-hmm. think if with a, a shark attack movie, it'd be pretty straightforward. But there's actually a lot of 
elements that aren't really needed. Um, like you said, the villains, I literally don't understand what was going on. Like, I don't know who, I don't know who they were or what they were talking about at any point. Um, like there's a scene where they find out that there's like some kind of factory on the bottom of the ocean. That's uh, it's a mining operation. It's a mining operation. And, that, and they don't find that out. That's actually what they are going down to the bottom of the ocean for. There's a oh, mining okay. operation we'll there and they've lost, they've lost contact with them. So they want to go yeah. down and like see what's up. But it turns out it was a trap by the villains to get Jason Statham into the bottom of the Mariana's Trench because that's the only way they can drown him, I guess. Yeah, it still doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't know. Is that, it doesn't is, make it much Is that from better. the first movie? So that's all from the first no. movie? No, it is we'll not. See, that that makes is, even that's less. from the second. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, I don't know if that's like, again, I don't think it really mattered. Like, I, I think they provided us with some cool set pieces. Um, I think there were some very ridiculous things like Jason Statham uh, going for a deep dive with no gear at like negative 25,000 feet <laughs> underwater. And okay, I they actually tricked me. I, I actually, I think they gave a good explanation. Like they said, um, oh, there's fish there. So like if you breathe the right, if you deal with the oxygen the right way, a human would be fine too. I actually bought it. I'm not going to lie. So like, like it actually got me. Well, I think the factoid they were saying was right. Because he's like, because they were talking about water pressurization. They were worried that he was going to like burst because the pressure was going to be too much. But it's like, no, no, no. That's not how pressurization works. It's all air pressure. So as long as he holds his breath, he should be able to survive for 30 to 60 seconds as long as he can like hold his breath, right? And he goes through this depressurization chamber so that the pressure like balances out and doesn't shock his body all at once. And so like, I'm pretty sure that most of what they were saying was like correct facts, but you have to keep in mind that they're talking about him doing a free dive from the bottom of the Mariana Trench all the way to the surface of the ocean, which is several miles. No, so, well, like, that was not... That's not what happened. Yeah, because like he's no, at the he bottom of the Mariana from, Trench. Yeah, but he goes from one end of the station to the other. He wasn't doing it. Oh, to the okay. Surface. Sorry, that I, makes maybe more we're sense. Talking about different ones. No, um, it's it's entirely possible at any given point in this movie. It's entirely possible that I have misinterpreted something. Oh, I will no. fully admit that, like the way that <laughs> I tried very hard to pay attention in this movie, yeah. and I think I mostly succeeded. But this movie is like a little confusing not in like a good way oh yeah no i there's there's a lot of things i i completely didn't understand um but yeah no the that that scene i think that was just funny that felt like it felt very this felt very in vain with the fast and furious where jason statham is just doing things for some reason and it's working there's Um, there's another scene where he takes down a meg like (laughs) with like a helicopter uh Oh like, yeah, he just holds a helicopter blade. blade. Yeah, and he like lures it in by tapping the water. <laughs> just that was amazing. I I have to say, like, uh, I never I never thought I wanted to see Jason Statham one v one a massive megalodon with a helicopter blade, and that movie provided that for me. So like, that's that's a plus in my books. And, like, that's the greatest strength of this movie. Once it gets to the point where they're actually just fighting a shark, it's awesome. 
Mm-hmm. It takes a while to get there, and it feels like it shouldn't actually have to take a while to get there. But like, yeah. by the time they get there, it's great. Also, yeah. like at the very end of this, I guess we haven't mentioned it yet. Uh, there is a they're not fighting the shark alone. Like, there's also a giant octopus. And uh, this movie reminded me a lot. When I was watching this, I had, like, flashbacks to back in high school when um, I was, uh, I must have been in, like, 10th grade or something. Internet was very bad. But a new movie had just come out, uh, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, that I really, really wanted to see. And there was, at that time, no way to see that. Like, I couldn't get the DVD um, because I didn't know where to get it. I was in a different country, so I couldn't watch it on, like, Sci-Fi Channel or anything. The only way I could watch it was on one of those, like, free video sites, except mm-hmm. it was super sketchy and the buffering was awful. So this movie, Mega Shark versus oh, Giant yeah. Octopus... It's 90 minutes long and it took me probably four hours to watch, but I was like so invested. I'd see like two minutes. It would buffer for five minutes and I'm like, that's okay. I'll wait. I got, this is going to be great. And uh, I mean, I, it was, I eventually went back and like uh, rebought the, uh, I eventually went and bought the DVD and I've seen it like two or three times since. And uh, it, but the thing is like, it's from, it's from the asylum who like famously just does like low budget, dumb parody movies most of the time. Yeah. And like this movie got so close to giving to like giving me a big budget recreation of the mega shark versus giant octopus fight. And like, I just wish that it had been longer because there's about a half an hour of a mega shark versus a giant octopus. And they don't interact that much, but if they did, this would have been so sick. Yeah. Well, they yeah they did a they did once or twice, but they were very short. Uh, yeah. Very short interactions. Um, I think it was well. Yeah, I think that would have been cool. Um, I think in the end it didn't bother me that much. I I feel like those those types of things are. It's like I want to see it, but then after like three minutes, you actually like wouldn't like it that much. I think. Um, yeah maybe at least for me personally other than king kong versus godzilla i think that they did that very well um that had like three different king kong yeah. versus godzilla matches yeah. like they went that to three different would. locales yeah um but the the moments like i mean the i thought the entire third act was like really great um i i think that's where the movie really found itself i think the first and the first it's like you kind of have three movies the first act feels like a very generic you know, Jason Statham action setup, you know. Um, I, I like the idea of like the the setups of the relationships kinda. Like I thought I thought him and his daughter were kind of cute. Um and the uncle. I like the pairing mm-hmm. of him and the uncle. Uh I can't I don't know his name, but apparently he's a very big actor in China. He's like the Jason Statham of China, Wu Ching. So mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I didn't think he was like a great actor or anything, um, but I thought they had great chemistry in some ways and they played off mm-hmm. well with the daughter and that's kind of a good setup. Um, I think I actually liked the underwater stuff kind of like I think it's just because we've had so many bad underwater movies lately. Uh, okay, well, not maybe lately, but the only ones I can think of is Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. <laughs> like I, I still can't believe what they did, what they did to... Uh, I don't know, like discount Atlantis in that movie. It just looked terrible underwater. 
and this movie considering um it's it's definitely not highly as highly budgeted i thought the underwater scenes looked okay definitely not great but you could see what was going on and i like some of the colors and some of the creatures you find down there and uh yeah and then actually like some of the the deaths surprised me like those are actually some pretty dark deaths in my opinion mm-hmm. the one where there's the girl whose mask collapses in right when the room is starting to depressurize so she literally like died like with within a second of saving her life essentially mm-hmm. um, yeah i don't know what it is i think it's like when i when I was very young, I think I saw on TV and some movie that I have never been able to find since where like two astronauts are in space and like they're doing a, it's a horror movie and they're doing some spacewalk trying to like fix the space station. And one person, her, uh, her helmet cracks mm. and then her head just explodes that quickly like it did in this movie. And so yeah. anytime that happens in a movie, I'm like, Oh shit. I yeah. don't like that. It's I freaky, mean, it's, it's, yeah. re- it's really freaky. It's like yeah. really effective. <clears throat> yeah. And it, it was a good tension builder throughout that action scene. Um, but yeah. And then, and then once you hit the third act, I think, you know, it kind of just goes into like this weird comedy ensemble action comedy. And, I actually really like the ensemble. I think I think adding um, these the the two scientist characters into the mix was really fun, and right, yeah. And then I I liked I, I this is actually something I think you rarely see in action movies, but I liked how they were like all kind of assholes to each other too. <laughs> like mm-hmm. like it was really funny. Like there's that one there's a one scene where they're going to the helicopter, and one guy's like like okay, so one of us has to be the bait. And one of us has to get to the helicopter, right? And I feel like in a lot of movies you'd see, especially these like generic action movies, you get one guy is like, he's he's built up to be the hero. So he's like, I'll do it. But they were both like, I don't want to fucking do it. And then they had to like <laughs> get tricked into like being the bait. And then there's, and then once he gets, so like one guy goes to the helicopter and then, and then uh, Wu, Jing's, Wu Jing's character has to, distract the dino the prehistoric creatures and then run to the helicopter um and then it's so weird because it's like i think the guy shoots a flare at this gas tank and when Wu Jing is jumping towards the helicopter it's like the the explosion from the tank boosted him into the helicopter (laughs) and killed all the animals behind him and then he gets in and the guy flying the helicopter is like oh i didn't think you would actually make that (laughs) (laughs) it's like you expected him to die and stuff you know and there's just and then there's that other moment where they're both like waiting to run and then the the girl just runs while he's counting and it's like it's like kind of a generic joke i just thought it was funny that it's like they were totally fine with their friends dying uh because their first instinct was to save themselves and i thought that that's kind of a realistic like instinct i feel like i would be the same way i'm not gonna lie so and I kind of love like right at the end, the big action scene ends with them all sitting on the beach and talking about how crazy the stuff they just did was, yeah. which is like <laughs> such a corny little action wrap up that yeah. I, I saw that and I'm like, are we living through the renaissance of the mid budget trash movie? Because I'm here for it. They were they were sipping brewskis on the beach while there was like probably dozens of corpses floating in the water. And like, and, to, and like, I multiple think, of their friends died too, and they're just like, ah, like, 
we did it guys like what a crazy adventure <laughs> and and jason statham's daughter is just like anyway i know what i did was a lot but like we're cool right and both him and Wu jing look at her and go you're grounded ha <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's like it's like, and realistically, I think one of these people would be like having severe PTSD from actually everyone would like there would be like yeah. blood in the water and stuff. And because they were gruesome, this this wasn't like an Avengers movie where like, you know, there's probably a lot of deaths, you know, like when when uh, like there's probably a lot of deaths, but they're off screen and you don't really like see it. You just kind of assume mm-hmm. there were deaths, but then like it doesn't affect the tone of it. This is like there's some gruesome deaths. There's this one POV of a shark's mouth. Not even just biting, it just just swallows like ten people at once. And you and see like people swimming and then he and then like it swallows some of them and they're still swimming. They're just now inside in the, the mouth mud. and they're never yeah. getting out. It's really it's like, dark. <laughs> it's obviously not quite the same thing as in Nope, but like that's the yeah. closest comparison I can think yeah. of, which is like the scene in Nope is terrifying. The scene in the Meg 2 is also terrifying, just in an otherwise basically funny movie. Hey, maybe they were saved when he killed the Meg and like actually that would have been Matt, now I'm sad we didn't get a scene of people crawling out of the Meg <laughs> after he like stabbed it in the brain or whatever. That would have been pretty cool. That would have saved the movie completely. Um but yeah, no, it's it's just like usually in a movie you would be like this total inconsistency is ridiculous but like i just didn't care because the movie's stupid anyway so like i thought the inconsistencies were great because you get these like really raw killings and also just people like hanging out and sipping beer on the beach and frankly like some of the best shots of the movie are in that action scene at the end like honestly i if, if there's more stuff to talk about, we we should. But I almost don't even want to talk about anything before the action scene because the rest of the movie is so, like, isn't even bad. It's just, like, it doesn't matter by comparison. Like, I watched this movie, and as soon as the last half hour kicked in, I'm like, all right, now I'm invested. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, really corny, and it's kind of shot weird. I, I feel like, I don't want to say it's, like, I feel like the Chinese have a different way of shooting things. So, like, the pacing and the dialogue always feels off. They love ADR, a lot of these scenes were like eighty yard in, or mm-hmm. a lot of the dial, especially from Wu Jing. I noticed like I don't. I feel like a lot of like all of his dialogue was eighty yard in. Um, may, maybe that's because of the uh, he, he might have trouble speaking English um, sometimes, so like it might help him with his lines to say them clear. But maybe, uh, yeah, it's 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 not a great <laughs> the dialogue. Is I, some of the dialogue's funny. There's like. At, at the start, Jason Statham's running from uh, the guys on the boat. And the boss is like, I want to capture him dead or dead. <laughs> like, so they're like doing a dead or alive thing. But it's like, who's, who talks like that? No, no one would ever say that. It's so weird. Um, and then he jumps. It's so weird. He jumps into the water. And then I don't know if this is a real thing, but the plane like picks him up through. It's. It was so weird. It like picks him up and he's swimming in the water and it doesn't put him in the plane. It's like they scooped water into the plane and then he's put into an underwater water tank for the rest of the flight. So he's so you're telling me he's like for an hour, he's just in pitch black like water tank while the plane yeah, is flying back to the place. Like 
Because when they land the plane, they open up the bottom mm-hmm. and it like spills all the water out with him. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> what is this? What is, why, why wouldn't they just land? It was a floating plane. You could land and then he could walk into the plane and then you just take off again. I thought, um, I, I mean, I, I kind of like stuff like that though, just because it didn't, you know, it didn't make any sense. Um, some of the set design was kind of cool too. I, I like how bright the colors were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like in a lot of, you know, these generic blockbusters, it's a very washed out look. Um, but this, I think the color added added to the movie a bit and the set designs and it made it a little interesting. Um, and I think that's a bit yeah. of an improvement over the first one too, because the first one, it has like a very colorful beach at the end. But before that, it's mostly just like, either in the water where there's not very like a, a single boat in the water or like on a big science facility that's all mm-hmm. you know pristine whites so it's like yeah it's not that the first one looks bad but like there's not a lot of color to it until the mm-hmm. very end and this one has a lot more color throughout the whole thing like the first yeah. like even the first shot where he's on that cargo boat is like even that's decently colorful and it only gets better from there. Cause like once, yeah. especially once they get to the bottom of the trench, that's where like everything is bioluminescent. You start to mm-hmm. like see colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like those little, those little touches of the movie. But yeah. Other than that. Yeah. The third act is, I guess all you can, <laughs> you can really talk <laughs> about. Um, there's lots, lots of fun moments, great chemistry. I think it was weird. I, how the scientists became action stars like randomly for the third act too. And then there's the guy DJ. He has the, the really big pistol and he's in multiple scenes where he could have used this pistol. (laughs) He doesn't use it until the very last action scene of the movie where he does like one of those jump slow motion shots to like one of those. looks exactly like a scene out of bad boys. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Or like the, I mean, that's probably what they were referencing, but it reminded me of uh, 21 Jump Street too. With the, mm, Yeah, yeah. Where they jump and then it's like kind of lame, but. <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah, no, it, it, it just, it had a lot of personality. I, I liked the cast together. Like, I, I wouldn't say they were acting amazingly, but it seemed like they all got along. And um, this is, this is like a small thing too, but I. I mean, it might have been be just because they want to appeal to the most audiences, but I liked how diverse the cast was. Like there was, there was. Um, I, I just like that. I like the the look of a bunch of people from different races, like interacting like normal people. There weren't really any race jokes. I think there were definitely some racial stereotypes and how the characters were written in some ways. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, it, it felt like like their race didn't really matter too much to their characters and that they were just a group of, of friends of action friends, like hanging out. Um, and like, I feel like in a lot of, well, I don't want to say Western Western, but like in a lot of movies, it's like, they'll have like mostly white people. And then there's like one or two minority characters, but this, this felt mostly fleshed out. I think there was more, you know, in some cases more Asian and white stars, obviously, but I think it's just because, it was financed by uh, a Chinese company. So I think like the, um, um, I mean, the context for this movie, at least for the first one, is that it's supposed to be like a big international uh, 
science corporation. Mm -hmm. And I think in this one, it's like sort of the remnants of the one from the first movie, but like Mm -hmm. it's supposed to feel international. And with the exception of the fact that everyone speaks English and most people have a slightly British accent, it feels somewhat international because they like, they do have like, a bit of effort. They do put a bit of effort in there to make it a relatively diverse cast. Yeah. Or at the very least to like not make it a not diverse mm. cast. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like a lot of movies when they try for diversity, it's like one or two characters. Or, but this felt like it felt like balanced and fleshed out. And I would actually I, say and like I can't say I I don't remember everyone who was on the team in the God, in the American Godzilla movies. But I have to say that's exactly what it felt like when the Godzilla movies have that token mm. Ken Watanabe in there. Yeah, it's, it's like, like the one it's like Asian why do you need guy. the one Japanese guy who <laughs> philosophizes on Godzilla? Like I think it's very yeah. funny, but I don't think it's supposed to be very funny. Yeah, that that felt like it was like everyone's white, but Godzilla is a Japanese character, so we need one Japanese guy to be his brother. Menacing, menacing dialogue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about Godzilla. Um, yeah, and that does that does that feels like a very American movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I I thought this this was it's like again that's not a huge thing. I'm not saying they're like like the Meg Two is pushing diverse. It's it's the new it's the new statement for diversity in movies. But <laughs> it's just it's like a nice it's a nice touch, and it doesn't make a huge does it doesn't feel like it made a huge deal out of it. It's like they cast mm-hmm. they cast a bunch of different races in this, and like that's it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I just, I like that. I think there's that, even that one scene I, I liked, I thought it was kind of cute, but there was the guy who, okay, well, it's not cute, but he was basically sexually harassing the, the women on the beach. And then I think it's implied that he saves them from the octopus after, like he sacrifices himself for them. I don't know if you saw that. I may have missed that. You missed that. There, there's like the scene where it's like, there's two Asian women on the beach and then this white guy this kind of like slobby white guy is like uh can you rub oil on my back and stuff and he's like saying it in a sleazy way and it's like it feels like such a random scene right but then later in the movie when the octopus is grabbing people i think it's implied that he jumps in front of them when the octopus's tentacle is going for them my mom thought it was he was trying to kidnap them (laughs) but i think (laughs) I think that was the implication. And I'm, again, I'm not I'm not going to excuse sexual harassment if it means he's going to save their life. But I just thought it was kind of an interesting... It was surprisingly deep for such a small character. It's like he had a really big character arc in like in five seconds total. Oh, um, weird. But yeah, anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's those uh, weird little touches that like make the whole thing though. <clears throat> yeah, it gave it a little personality. They, oh, the one scene where they're like running from the dinosaurs and then they go into the the shed and then they just run into people with the guns pointed at them already. <laughs> I love that too. The third act's really fun. Yeah, if they really I think if this was an hour and a half, they really shortened those first two acts. I think you have a pretty solid movie here. Cuz um, like yeah, I would say every part that you like when you, when you were talking about the whole movie and talking about the parts in the movie that you loved. I was like I love all of those parts as well. And if you shortened most of the stuff between them that I didn't like, you would yeah. have an hour and a half movie at longest. It might even be shorter. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of meandering in between that's not like completely pointless, mm-hmm. but is 
as like it's as effect it, it's it's it doesn't do it that much like you you could you could trim a lot more in this movie yeah yeah like there there's there's a couple like i think maybe first you cut out the the dead mom thing i i heard she's from the first movie i and it's important to mention though because she survives the first movie yeah so it's right? weird that she's dead at the end yeah exactly i i think that that was odd and it, i feel like it I mean, I, I I guess it gives the the family some sense of togetherness, you know, where it's like the uncles mm-hmm. kind of are trying to re- help the family out and re- not replace the mom, but just like kind of try to fill the void the mom left for the daughter. Yeah. Um, but it just it feels like kind of a weird, unnecessary backstory, if that makes sense. Like, I think it could have just been he's Jason Statham's there with his daughter and the mom's like somewhere else, if that makes sense. Like it didn't, it didn't really need that burdening of the story. Um, and then, yeah, you get rid of a lot of the villain stuff and you kind of, cause again, I, I, I still don't understand what was going on with that. I guess the only thing is they needed an excuse to have the, the trench open or the, the zone open. Right. Cause yeah. I don't think they wanted to make it. Jason Statham opens the trench. And then the Megs come out and it's like his fault. These people are dying, right? They want it to be like this evil corporation is the reason that the Megs got out. And Jason Statham just stopped the damage as much as he could. So you kind of need yeah. some kind of villain presence. I get that. I just think, yeah, they, they tried to dive into it too much and add, make it personal. And there's that weird, I want to say Russian guy that was there for some reason and it felt like they had a history but i literally didn't understand what history or and it ends up being weird at the end because it's like jason statham and his scientist pals fighting a shark and an octopus and also just the villains of the movie which are like why are they still involved in fighting anybody in this because there is a shark on the loose and like the best case from killing Jason Statham in this once this situation starts is that now everyone blames the shark on you like that's the best case scenario yeah. here why are you still yeah. fighting yeah well I, I think I think it did add I did like the stuff like it, it did add some like good I think having villains gives it some good kills first of all like True. that scene where the Meg comes in she's like this is Meg proof and she like taps the glass is like bro it's glass <laughs> and then the Meg just swoops in and kills her like instantly and then her boyfriend is like freaking the fuck out and then he's like crying on the phone or something and and his boss and is like are you crying and he's like fuck you or something like and then there's that scene at the very end like the very last kill of the movie basically like the the exclamation point on the movie is jason statham kicking a dude into the meg's mouth yeah which is like yeah which which isn't even a spoiler because the official Meg Twitter account has like promoted the movie using that gif so many times. Dude, that's what sold me on the movie. I'm not going to yeah. lie. When I saw that in the trailer, I was like that looks ridiculous. I need to watch that. Um yeah, so I I think the villains are good to have. I just I think their importance could have been a lot more straightforward slash um like i i think they could have just been like the corporation that they were working for was corrupt which i think was it that that was in the first movie that was in the first movie okay i think they just should have done that again because it felt like in this there was the corporation then there was another corporation that was 
performing corporate espionage and they sent mercenaries in and then they also uh, had that thing underwater and then they like, oh i guess up. we we forgot to mention jason statham at the very beginning of this movie is an eco-terrorist and i yeah. believe that part of the villain's motivation was that he'd like messed with their company mm-hmm. a bunch of times because mm-hmm. they're not environmentally friendly and so he'd like blown up some of their ships or something and so that's yeah. why they wanted to kill him specifically. Yeah. Okay. I think that's part of it. Yeah. They could have explained that a lot better. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I like his intro didn't make any, because I think we're just intro to him. He's just like in a sub, right? And he's just kind of sitting there. He's then... he's in a container on a big container ship and he steals their SD card. Oh, no, no. Sorry. I meant the, uh, the villain. The, oh, yeah. The he's Russian just on a sub. Or whatever he is. Yeah, right. Like it, it didn't feel I... like a very powerful entrance for a villain yeah i don't actually remember he didn't he was obviously important because he was like the main villain technically but like he was almost not even a presence in this movie until the third act where he's just another combatant he's like briefly in the second act but only but like the actual villain of this movie is uh skylar samuels his girlfriend yeah and then like once she dies, then yeah. he becomes the, <laughs> then villain. He's the villain. Yeah, I just, yeah, the motivations were unclear. I wasn't really understanding what was going on, but I thought, I, I think having villains was the right move. I just think they could have simplified that a lot more um, because it, I think it also added a lot to the third act in terms of, you know, it gave the other characters something to do. Um, like everyone except Jason Statham is basically dealing with the, those dinosaur creatures and the guards at the same time. Um, but yeah, so I, and it also, we get to see some very violent, satisfying deaths um, because these are, those are the villains. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess that's all I can really, do you have anything else to say? I don't really know what else. The main thing I want to ask is, um, would you be excited to see a sequel to the Meg two, a theoretical, the Meg three? Yeah, well, I, I feel like if you said the second one has <laughs> improved a lot on the first one in terms of the third act giving audiences what they want, I think this could be like a Godzilla versus Kong situation where by the third movie, they'll finally get that people just want to see some some crazy shit and people, and people doing weird stuff on a beach and not give us this like kind of generic backstory, second act with weird villains type thing. So I don't know if you know this. Are you aware that this is based on a book series? I, I am. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Sort of recently, but yeah. Uh, did you, do you want, do you know what the third one is about? Uh, no. That sounds <laughs> so it's 18 though. years later. Jonas Taylor, Jason Statham's character is now a middle-aged father of two. And he's hired as a consultant for a reality television series called Daredevils which becomes plagued by Megs as yeah. he's going through a midlife crisis, which like a reality, a reality like daredevil TV show, middle-aged Jason Statham going through a midlife crisis and giant sharks. Like it yeah. could be the perfect movie if they pull it off. Yeah. yeah I, I, there's potential like that actually sounds amazing. What the <laughs> hell? I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's like, if this, this it seems like this made money, I think they should just go for it. And, 
I, I don't like worst case I see Jason Statham fight more sharks. Like I would say I'm I'm pumped for Meg Three, but I would be very interested in watching it if that makes sense. I think the series has an insane amount of potential, and even if and when it doesn't deliver on that potential, like even when it doesn't deliver on that potential, it's still a movie with some with Jason Statham fighting sharks, and the shark fights are awesome. Yeah. So like you know, the worst case scenario for a Meg 3 is still really fun. So I'd be very yeah. excited to see a third Meg. Yeah, I would like to see that too. I think they have something here. It feels like Jason Statham's only good series of movies for the most part right now. Um, I'm not really going to count fast the Fast and Furious. I love him in Fast and Furious, but I think it's just a little much. This- well, and also like it... I know he's technically a main character in the Fast and the Furious, but like that's not his series. No, and also I think like when when I, this might be a the Rock problem, but I feel like him and the Rock just don't work. They work well together when they are minor characters, you know. Yeah. But in in that in Hobbs and Shaw, it was just like it was too much, too much ego in in one place, and it really. It really hurt the movie. This is like Jason Statham is still doing his Jason Statham thing, but he has the room to to let his ego go. And he's surrounded by a good cast of, of characters. And, uh, and he's fighting sharks, which I think is cooler than whatever the Fast and Furious is doing right now. Did you him, see so. Fast X? No. He, he wasn't in it, right? Or he was in it uh, a little very bit? Very briefly. And he's then like kind of setting him up more for later. Yeah, he... He has a very important fight scene in Fast X, but that's kind of yeah. it. Like he's he's going to be important probably in the next one. Oh. But like the the after credits scene of Fast X uh, reveals that Dwayne the Rock Johnson's character is still around and that oh, he's yeah, being yeah. targeted by the bad guy too. And yeah. when I saw that, I was like, "Yo, is he going to be a big part of the next movie?" And then I heard, and I don't know what to believe because, like, Fast Fast and the Furious news is. 90% drama, 10% news. But like I heard that in fact that might not have been a teaser for Fast X Part 2. That might have been a teaser for Hobbs and Shaw 2. And I'm like, ah, I'm immediately not oh, interested kinda... anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I am surprised that they haven't made a new Hobbs and like I I don't know we, I think we talked about this earlier, but it made a lot of money. Um I know the budget was pretty big, but it's it's just surprising to me that they haven't tried it again considering you know it's like it's like i feel like the rock kind of threw out his uh his fast and furious vin diesel relationship to get that spin off and now it seems like it's it's like the movie bombed and he has to go back to the fast franchise potentially unless they are making a second one but this the, this came well, like- out like four years five years ago four years ago it, now and they haven't started I- making another one so yeah, I don't know. Like I said, Fast and the Furious news is 90% drama. And so, like, it's not super surprising to me that Hobbs and Shaw 2 does not exist yet. But I couldn't tell you the reason other than it's very clearly has to do something with the personal beef between, like, The mm. Rock and Vin Diesel. Somehow. Yeah. I don't know if that's the direct cause or indirect or what's going on. I but think like, may- maybe you're right. It might be because... Like, because Hobbs and Shaw pushed back Fast 9, and maybe Vin Diesel was like, if you do that to me again, 
like I'm going to walk or whatever. But also it's like, why can't they just release two movies at the same, at a similar, like Marvel does it all the time. Like, I don't see why having Hobbs and Shaw as a movie means Fast 9 or Fast 11 has to get pushed back two years or something. It's like, just release them the same year. It's probably not that big of a deal. But I want to see The Rock back in an actual mainline Fast and the Furious movie because I think that like yeah. those are some of his best performances. Yeah. And like He's a, I've I've made a name for myself on this podcast as a resident rock hater. I love him in those movies. Yeah, he's a he's a big part of what like I remember him and Statham and Fast and Eight were my favorite part because they had smaller roles, but uh they worked well as part of the team, if that makes sense. In um, Fast 7, that's the one where he... The first fight is between him and The Rock, right? Statham yeah. and The Rock. And mm-hmm. that's the one where The Rock technically doesn't lose, but kind of does. And it's, like, insane. It's mm-hmm. such a good fight. It's a really good fight, yeah. It's really well done. And it, it does, I remember it does individual shots really well. from that fight now, and there's, that's yeah. three movies ago. Yeah, it was It was really... James Wan can really, can really craft an action scene uh when he wants but yeah no there, there's a lot of potential there i just i think they they got to bring statham and the rock into the fold uh and give them a better villain too i think i don't know about the villain for 10 but the villain for the Aiden, villain like Aiden the villain for 10 is terrible. really good okay oh yeah momoa right yeah he, yeah he is good. momoa is great and yeah. like the way he plays him is extremely unhinged like okay i good. i hope they let him like really I hope they really give him a lot of room with this character in the next couple of movies because he's he's very good if he gets the like room to work with him. He has one of the like yeah. actually most weirdly upsetting scenes in that entire franchise. Uh, like what, what is... it's it's so tonally dissonant from the rest of the movie. It's like yeah. uh, he has a scene where he's like. Um, early on, he takes control of Charlize Theron's, like, um, underground group, whatever, basically, like, steals all of her minions, and then later on, like, her two top minions, he kills them, but then he does that off screen, and he just has a scene where you think they're still alive, but they're all, but he's, like, got them propped up in lawn chairs, and he's, like, having mojitos with everyone, and just talking about his plan while painting their nails, and it's like, this is, that is so really out good. of place in this movie, <laughs> but also, like, in a really interesting way, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, the, as I think the the worst part of eight for me was Charlize Theron. She just played. She tried to play a really straight villain, and I think that worked earlier in the franchise when like it was a little more grounded. Well, I don't know when that was, but like you can't do like at this point you need like a weird you need a weird charismatic villain, especially when you're if you're gonna get rid of the Rock and Statham. Like there needs to be someone with charisma because. As the team itself, I don't think has that much really going for it charisma wise. But you add someone to give to bounce for them to bounce off of, and you, you got something there. And they yeah. I feel like they could make these movies forever if if they kind of get that the ensemble right, if that makes sense. Like I know that's Vin Diesel's franchise, and Vin Diesel is definitely the star of those movies. But I think that even Vin Diesel works best as like the straight man to a bunch of 
otherwise very wacky characters. Like if you got rid of everyone but Vin Diesel, that movie, those movies would be a tonally extremely different and probably not nearly as interesting. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like not even close. Even the ones that are Vin Diesel and Paul Walker, if you reduced everything down to just that relationship, arguably the heart of the film, it still wouldn't work as well because the Fast and the Furious movies need the periphery characters. Mm -hmm. Peripheral characters. Yeah. And yeah, they've invested well in that ensemble too. So, and that's why they're, that's why they're at Fast 11 or they're going to be at Fast 11 soon. And who knows, honestly, who knows how many more it's actually, I thought, I thought 10 would at least, it sounds like they're kind of setting up an ending, but now it's like, it's an ending that's it's a trilogy ending where there's like two more movies and then maybe another movie in between those movies because the rock wants a movie and i don't even know dude. so yeah officially 10 is the beginning of a franchise that is or not of a franchise of a trilogy that is supposed to serve as the end of whatever it means whatever this means this current saga of the fast and the furious and like in Fast 10, they do have one death that, like, they have one character is meaningfully killed off in Fast 9, and another character is meaningfully and permanently killed off in Fast 10, with, like, despite that character's actor still being alive. So, like, yeah. they are starting to make, they're starting to make, like, character deaths that matter. For Supposedly. Now. Supposedly. Yeah, it's like, like it's not. It, it would be the first time they brought. I mean, in Fast Nine, you say they killed someone off, but they also brought someone back. That true. Might, yeah, yeah, they brought someone back that died. So we'll see. There's, I have heard that they're intending to not do that. Like now, mm-hmm. they've brought everyone back that they intend to bring back. Anyone from the old series is only getting killed off or like surviving at this point. They're mm-hmm. not getting killed off and coming back supposedly who knows if they'll stick to that but that's what the, that's what there's that's what i've heard it said yeah i just i hope i i hope they keep making them and i, I really want to see those like like a franchise where you know how in like 21 jump seat they spoofed like jumps like 20 jump street movies i want that to be the fast and furious franchise like yeah. I want, I want to be like 40, 50 years old and be taking my kids to fast 35 or something like that. Like, I, I hope that in like 2026, we get one last ride. And then like in 2040, as the final on-screen performance of Vin Diesel, we get Fast and the Furious, one last ride. And then like, <laughs> we finally get in 2050, Fast and the Furious, one last ride, but Vin Diesel <laughs> dies during production. So like it's released posthumously. No, they'll still keep it up. I I feel like at that point they'll have like AI. Tech oh, I didn't say that was the last one. Oh, I said okay, that was okay. the last on-screen performance of Vin Diesel. Yeah, <laughs> I would need to see a, a ninety-five-year-old Vin Diesel behind the behind the wheel and like adding NOS to his car, <laughs> like, <laughs> teaching his great-grandchildren how to drive or something like that. So, as much as I want to keep talking about Fast and the Furious. What would you give the Meg? <laughs> the Meg, Meg 2. Yeah, anyways. Uh, the Meg 2, I'd say, is uh, a solid 6. Nice. Yeah. I think, like, for me, it's... Yeah, I'd say, like, a solid 4. I think, like, the parts that I like, I really like, but there's so much in it that just loses me. I think the pacing mm. really, really brings this movie down, and I wish it didn't. 
But like I said, I really like the parts that I actually enjoy, like the last act. And I really hope they keep making more of these because while I haven't read the series, the summaries I've seen of the rest of the series sound awesome. Mostly that third one. So like, I'm very excited to see more if they like keep adapting the books. Cause I think that, I think this series has a lot of potential to be at the very least, a really fun series of action movies. Yeah. That's already hope that's... like a pretty fun series of action movies. Yeah, so it's series. like it's already there. Series. I feel like I hope that's the future of like blockbusters, the blockbuster genre, as we get a lot more of these just really fun, wacky movies. Because I feel like the 2020s, there's kind of like things are crazy and fun, but like you always need like some kind of emotional core. Like Fast and Furious is crazy, but then there's like, you know, there'll always be like some dark, like it's about family or like someone someone dies or someone uh like an aide it's like he has a son that and he has to betray the team and his son was kidnapped or someone but I, I i hope we see more of these uh it's like meg 2 and like bullet train are are movies i like to see more of in the future where they're just mm-hmm. at least the third act of meg 2 and, <laughs> and bullet train because they're just these fun these fun action movies and i think that's the advantage now that people are maybe gonna see with uh, movies like that compared to you know all the superhero movies that are kind of losing the trend is that blockbusters are supposed to be fun and with this interconnected movie universe there's so much homework and baggage you have to hold on to um, whereas with a movie like bullet train it's just like set up some characters and you go you know you don't have to you don't have to do your research after you don't have to be invested in the next movie it's just like you had a good time Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of that's hopefully where we're headed. And yeah. that's the future, but we shall see. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe Marvel will get a second win here. But I am not counting on it anytime soon. The one last thing I wanted to say: Have you seen? Have, have you watched any of the Expendables movies? I think I watched three. It's where they bring okay. in like the young people and yeah, like, really weird and yeah. I'm really conflicted on the fourth one coming out. I haven't seen the third one, but the fourth one has one of the best trailers I think I've ever seen. It's so good. But the thing is, the trailer is awesome for the first three quarters of it. And then it like, it's like all your favorite guys are back from the Expendables. And then it's exactly what you said with baggage. It's like, yeah, it, it sets up a completely different movie for like two minutes. And that movie looks awesome. And then it sets up The Expendables 4, which looks fine. Like, sure. Yeah. But, like, the first part of it sets up an extremely different movie that looks like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but with Jason Statham. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I hope that that's what most of the movie is, because that movie looks awesome. But, sorry, you saying baggage just kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of movies are... Like, not just superhero movies, but, like, Indiana Jones. That's that's a... I won't say it has baggage, but... That movie definitely brought on some baggage for no reason. And well, and like, I wasn't there when Indiana Jones 1 came out in theaters. But yeah. like, imagine going to see Indiana Jones 1 in theaters. You How, how much do you have to know going into it? Nothing. It's yeah. just like, it, it's, it's like a completely standalone movie. And Indiana Jones 2 is barely even related to that first one. So this is like a fully standalone movie. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny... Every trailer was all just building on, you know him, you love him, he's back for one last ride. 
And like you go into the movie and it's just, it's building on four other movies in a way that none of the other movies really do. So it's like, it comes in with all of this extra baggage, like you said. And yeah. like, you know, it's nice to have standalone movies. And as much as the Meg 2 technically is not that, it's very close. Because like, I will say having watched the Meg and then watching where the Meg 2 picks up, it picks up from a place that makes very little sense coming out of the first one. Because mm. one of the main characters is dead. It's five years later. So all the other characters don't look the same. And there's yeah. just a Meg in captivity, which at the end of the Meg one, like there's the hint that there might be a Meg still out there. And that's mm -hmm. it. Like yeah. they think they've killed them all. But at the mm -hmm. beginning of two, they have one in captivity, which yeah. is a really strange place to start coming off of the Meg one. So Meg yeah. two is like functionally a completely standalone movie. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I think that's, that's why I was able to enjoy it. And yeah, I, I think they didn't rely too much on, on that. I, I mean, again, there was, there was that wife, the wife dying thing that, that is kind of sort of the baggage I'm talking about, but that happened off screen. And also this isn't really a movie that relied on that as an emotional crux. I think they, they mentioned it a bit too much at the start, but it's just like, it wasn't part of like, there wasn't a, a really annoying plot of like Jason Statham's trying to win back his daughter because she's sad that it, their mom, her mom passed away. If that makes sense. And it's not like a bonding movie or whatever. You're just, she's just kind of there and he's saving yeah. her. It wasn't yeah, like there's there parenting theme. themes, but it's not even really like a theme of the movie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm thinking of, it's like, would you rather watch the Meg two or the flash where it's like the flash is like 10 movies it's building off of. And then it's like, multiple deaths for no reason that are just kind of depressing to watch and like it's all see shitty cgi and and it's you're just like why am i it's like trying it's relying so much on other past continuity that it's just like i just want to watch a movie about the flat a guy that runs fast bro like <laughs> like chill the fuck out but yeah anyways so what's our last word pierre meg <laughs> <laughs>